Well, unbelievably, somewhat unbelievably, I have to say, this is episode six, Andy, of our um, little podcast experiment here, The Last Call. And uh, I think that's an achievement, isn't it? I'm, I'm hope, super happy about that. How are you doing? Good to, good to hear, speak to you. Great to hear from you. I think if uh, we keep doing this, it's going to become a habit. Well, I hope so, because I enjoy it, and I think you do too. And, um, you know, who knows, right? The, the folks at home might actually enjoy some of it. So um, I hope I hope we can keep it going. Well, uh, first of all, you know, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Uh, this is, um, this is our, uh, I guess, our Christmas special. Although, I have to say, the topic we have um, lined up isn't especially festive. Um, but let's kick things off. Um, I'm going to hand it over to you. And um, I'm actually back on a gin and tonic tonight. It's super boring. I really got to lift my game, haven't I, when it comes to the on the beverage At side of this. At least change up the tonics or the uh, gins yeah. or something. Well, actually, no, no. Okay, so this is a Hendrix gin and tonic. So I have kind okay. of like, I've kind of, you know, moved it up a notch. But um, yeah, why don't you um, put me to shame sure. as usual and, and tell us what we're talking about tonight. Yeah. Um, so I went with, since it is Sunday, we shifted days of when we are uh, usually recording. Um, I went with a cider Sunday. So I went Ooh. to the local farmer's market and picked up a local cider from Finn River. It's a oak and apple oak age semi-dry. Uh, I find it funny because I think a lot of people, especially when I, where I grew up, ciders were just like this super sweet you know, kind of thing. And uh, it actually took me a little bit to to turn the corner, if you will, on ciders. Mm-hmm. Get some good ones out here on the West Coast. Got some great ones over in Bristol, uh, England, where yes. you grew up. Yeah, absolutely. Around. Uh, scrumpy was the uh, cider de jour when I was a kid. You know, there wasn't really the sort of the whole uh, industry around it, and um, that's a whole different taste, though, isn't it? Well, excellent. Yeah. Well, again, you put me to shame, and uh, that's okay. <laughs> Feel like that's just our mo. That's our shtick, isn't it? You know, that is. Andy just puts David's drinking um, <laughs> bench strength to shame every week. But what are we? What are we actually going to talk about? Tonight? As much as I'd love to talk about booze yeah. for the next ten minutes, I'm sure we've got something yeah, else. Yeah, it's got. You know, it's kind of funny. Uh, you know, given that uh, this is the last call and we're trying to condense everything into ten minutes, there's no way we can condense this entire topic into ten minutes. Um, but what we're what we're really looking. Uh, at today is it's uh, a callback to the episode that we did around Monty Hall, and um, it, this kind of grew organically out of our conversation. But we want to tackle like why do people buy into conspiracy theories? What why are people fascinated? Why do they make it a part of their identity? Um, so much so that I mean, we saw some, some of the culmination of it January sixth here in twenty twenty. Uh, which will be a, a a day I think we all are going to remember mm, for quite some time. Absolutely. Oh boy, right? This is a big one because you know um, I think just because of um, the world health crisis and I think uh, the political climate, um, I think we're starting to see a lot more um, of what I would call um, well established and well spoken, like very well publicized conspiracy theories. QAnon, obviously, that you referred to as part of the. Uh, uh, January 6th. And then, you know, obviously the whole vaccine misinformation um, and fear mongering that's occurring. It's, I think, would, I would class as a conspiracy theory. Uh, mm. Certainly some of them that sort of claim, you know, Bill Gates is trying to inject Windows 95 into or something. I don't quite know Ugh. how it goes, but something like that, isn't it? <laughs> I think of anything worse. Um, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, I, it's a great question. I'm not sure, I, I, you know, I don't think we could actually give a very concise answer. I do think, you know, to your point, there is a sort of certain about identity. I do think, though, you and I were chatting a bit about this, you know, after our Monty Hall discussion, there is certainly this 
um, aspect of connection, right? The folks want mm -hmm. to be able to reach out and find like-minded individuals that, um, despite them having a common belief in something that's ultimately more than likely flawed, at least there is that you know commonality. I think it's partly that, don't you? I think there's definitely an element to you know social and um, society to it. A hundred percent. It's not like the QAnon is like a new thing. Right. I mean, this has been happening for centuries of, of people feeling and uh, let me take a step back. I think really where it starts off is people feeling um, out out of place or disenfranchised by society like they um, they feel there's something that happened at some point where they felt like they weren't part of the group. And so they retreat from that and start really trying to find people that maybe are in the same situation. And the reason why I bring this up, and it's not just around conspiracy theories, but this is like how cults start. You know, mm -hmm. everyone's like, well, why, why did people drink the Kool-Aid, right? At, at mm -hmm. the Jones, uh, Jones massacre, or why were people with David Koresh? Yeah. You have a charismatic leader um, typically. Right. But why were people buying in? There's a need, they, isn't there? There's, there's a vacuum yeah. that's being filled in those cases by charismatic individuals that are making heavy-handed promises but in the pro i think the promise for a lot of conspiracy theories is this is this concept of uncovering something right and and and, and being yeah this almost elitist group of individuals that know the truth um mm -hmm. which is you know i think a lot of the draw um i do i do think I'll ask you a question do you think there's a certain uh personality trait that makes you more likely to buy into this or do you think it's actually mm -hmm if you, you know, it actually is just more of a social, um, construct. That is a great question. And it's funny enough. It's very, uh, timely. I just finished reading, listening, not reading. I was listening to a, an it's audio the new book. reading. Yeah. It's the new reading, uh, <laughs> an audio book that was talking about influence and, um, persuasion and it's on great courses. I recommend, uh, the listeners go and check it out. It's really good. Um, and the one of the things was the the professor that was giving this talk was saying is like, listen, it doesn't matter if you think you if if you think you're above being um, conned, quote unquote, or gullible, like it's built into the human brain um, to be this way. Mm -hmm. And it just really depends. Like, for instance, like, why do we actually uh, care what celebrities think about a product like I don't care what Ryan Reynolds thinks about gin, you know, but a lot of people do. And, it, and honestly, um, what he says is a lot of it's environmental. Like, hey, it could be your state of mind at that time. If you're really tired, you're more than likely not going to question a lot of things. You're just going to go, yeah, this person's kind of famous and I'll listen to what they have to say. Um, this goes back. I mean, we're, we're diving deep in here. Uh, uh, it, a marketer, his last name was Bernays. Do you know about him at all? No, I don't. But tell us. Yeah. So Edward, I think his first name was Edward. Uh, I feel like I definitely should be doing more research before the show now. But um, <laughs> Let's call Edward him Edward. Ber yeah. Edward Bernays uh, was a this amazing marketer. And he's the one who actually came up with the idea of the American breakfast. And it wasn't because the American breakfast was like this set in stone tradition. Uh, they set it up apart because I believe it was the either the pork industry uh, came to him. So big pork came to him and was like, 
we need uh, consumers um, eating more more pork. And so he came up with this idea of Americans work hard. They need a hearty breakfast. He, he developed this whole ad campaign. It's fascinating. You should definitely look into him because I think he also did work for the orange conglomeration down in Florida. And he came up with the idea of Sunkiss, wow. like that name. So uh, yeah. So, so when does it transition though? Because I sort of feel like there's a healthiness to, you know, celebrity endorsements and influence and whether that's for commercial gain or for personal reasons, but where does it transcend into something unhealthy mm. and, you know, potentially quite damaging um, with, you know, taking the example of the recent world health crisis and the huge amount um, yeah. of negative and misleading information around vaccine safety, um, which is tied into conspiracy theories around control and suppression. Um, I wonder where that line is. I mean, I mean, I, I mean I, on one side of it, it's quite obvious, right? It's like, well, as soon as it becomes, you know, not true, maybe. <laughs> yeah. But there's a lot of advertising that's also not entirely above board in that respect. Yeah, I think that's a... I think once it becomes part of a person's identity, once they start identifying, when when a person mm -hmm. feels so disenfranchised, they start identifying with one movement or the other, or they heard something and they go, oh, maybe there's something to that, and they become accepted into a group, that's when it becomes dangerous. And that's, because, oh, yeah, go ahead. Go, go ahead. So finish your thought. No, no. It was, and there was, uh, I believe you and I were talking about this. Um, it was a Netflix special. Um, I sent you once again, I sent it to you in the notes and we'll, we'll have it in the show notes of, of everything we're talking about here. But, um, they talk about how the brain chemistry actually flips when a conspiracy theory becomes a part of a person's identity. And then, you know, we were talking earlier, it's like, well, why can't you debate these people? Like, why can't you just sit down and go, listen, there is no pizza gate. Like, Democrats are not going around drinking the blood of, of oh the whole uh, adrenochrome oh, thing. Oh man, yeah, that yeah. or yeah, that whole thing. And and uh but it becomes such a part of their identity. It's like you're attacking their identity. So yeah. immediately defenses go up, right? They go up and a whole um plethora of mental gymnastics start to occur in order to persist those beliefs because they are essentially part of their ego at this point um and to the point of ridiculousness right i mean like i've i have i have to say good friends who um who i have a huge amount of respect for and still do but that have some very shall we say some suspect views when it comes to some of the more recent and very public conspiracy theories that some of the ones we've been talking about actually hmm. um but when you try and debate them on it and call to fact um, or challenge some of the information they're presenting as fact, it becomes a spin. It's like, well, okay, yeah. well, what about this then? And you know, and and then and then you you never actually get to any ground, right? It's just this spinning, impossible to argue with. And I think that's partly because, to your point, it's so intrinsic now to who they are and how they identify as themselves that any challenge to the theory or the basis is a challenge to their existence, right? And 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 their very you know sense of self, and that's a very difficult um, question, or I would say argument to win, in, in my opinion. Well, you're not going to win it, no, honestly. 
and I've given like, up, frankly. Nah. You know what I mean? I just think, oh, I love you, but you know, you're nuts, and uh, you know, we're gonna just we're gonna just agree to disagree on this thing, and we'll 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 talk again later. I yep. agree. Yeah, you you never you you can't win. And I think I've learned one of the things I have learned in 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 definitely more recently is is just not try and win the argument because there is no argument to be had. I think right, right. that's the key here. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And again, I, I know we're kind of getting and running out of time here, but I just want to quickly touch on like how you think, how do we think people actually fall into that though? Because this is not something you don't wake up one morning and go, you know, I'm going to start Googling big government because I'm pretty sure they're doing something, <laughs> right? They're up to something. Yeah. You don't start that way. Like there must, there's something that, um, and I don't think they're, I don't think these, these conspiracists are actively recruiting, right? <laughs> Right, but I think there's probably just parts of the internet, maybe that people fall into. Some late night googling takes you down a dark alley, and and then you next thing you think you've uncovered some like you know sensitive information that supports your position. It's interesting. I I, I think we could probably do a whole yeah. new conversation on that. Oh yeah, I mean, I think it really starts with um, you know, wrapping up uh, as the lights are flashing here and the bartender's yelling last call. I really do feel like it, it starts with a, a feeling of of wanting to belong. Like mm -hmm. we're we're human, we're social creatures, and when people are spurned out of a group for maybe saying something out of the line, or or maybe something traumatic happens to them, and they're no longer looked in the same light by their you know what they thought was their their pack, if you will, or their tribe. Um, they kind of go and searching for another one, and and a lot of these groups. They're they're there with open arms saying, oh, yeah. "Yeah, why don't yeah, you know what that that Earth not so not so round, maybe it's a little flat, you know that kind right. of thing." I think there's that, and and again, just to kind of summarize my thoughts on this, I think it starts small, and then I think the very act or the very fact that they these people encounter resistance to these ideas perpetuates the idea right is this kind 100%. of negative feedback loop that just makes the more resistance they find to the ideas that they're starting to develop um, and share the more likely it is that they're going to continue to do that because that's part of the theory right is that the the mainstream media is uh, suppressing you know all of the bad news about vaccines or whatever it is right yeah yeah. Okay. Well, again, too short as always. Like I really feel like, you know, we just get into our stride and uh, I've had like two sips of my drink, but um, <laughs> had it taken off me <laughs> again. Get the roadie sody. Time exactly. to head out. <laughs> well, listen, um, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you, Andy, you and your family. Um, Same to you, sir. Thank you very much. Um, we're going to, we'll regroup in the new year. Um, and to the folks at home, hope you've enjoyed um, this discussion. We'll be back soon. And uh, in the meantime, be curious.